Good morning. A few years ago, uh, my wife bought these uh, postage return names and addresses, and uh, at the bottom of our name and address, uh, there's a s- three words: Jesus is God. You remember that, Patty? Jesus is God. And I can remember sending out, you know, making car payments or housing payments or whatever, and, or any, any other bill you send out. And, uh, that little bit of witness, Jesus is God, on every, every envelope that was sent out. Uh, that's essentially the theme of John's prologue in the Gospel of John. So if you want to turn there, it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let me just say this, if you miss what John is trying to say in these first five verses, you're going to have difficulty with the rest of the gospel. Those first five verses, uh, John, as much as he can, uh, tells us who Jesus is. And, And if you have doubt as to who Jesus is, just after those first five verses, you're going to have trouble through the rest of the, the rest of the 21 chapters. So, with this in mind, let's let's look at let's read these verses, and uh, hopefully, you'll allow the Lord to speak to your heart concerning what these verses mean. John writes concerning the deity Jesus. He says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father, we thank you for this word. Lord, open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts to understand your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said before, in our reading the first verse of our text, uh, the first few verses, uh, we might want to know what John was wanting his readers of the gospel to know. And, and there, there are three things, as we look at this, there are, there are three things that just pop out at you just automatically, if you just gave it any thought at all. And here's the three things. When God was, when God was, the Word was. What God was, the Word was. Where God was, the Word was. It's when, what, and where. When, what, and where. When God was, the Word was. What God was, the Word was. And where God was, the Word was. In essence, John's just simply saying this, Jesus is God. In short, he just simply says that. And, and with this in mind, let's look at these five verses 
And probably we're spending most of the time with verse 1 because verse 1 is just absolutely loaded with, with thought. Verse 1 begins with a very familiar line uh, in the beginning. Now, I know that you've read that before somewhere in the Bible, haven't you? Uh, these, these, these three words explain to us that the God of the Bible is not some speechless, mindless idol that is so often spoken of and depicted and portrayed in the Old Testament. You read a lot about these dumb idols in the Old Testament and people making them all the time and worshiping them and worshiping trees and whatever else they could carve into some kind of image that portends to be God. God is not some grotesque molten image that was fashioned and sculpted in a forger's shop. Our God, the God of the Bible, is articulate. He's creative, wise, and He's a relational being. Our God speaks. He continues to speak to us today through His perfect Word. God says, that being Jesus, He says, My sheep, listen, my sheep, that's you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So, what do we know about God? Everything we know about God is found in this book. I have in my library at home a book about this thick. It's on the doctrine of God. And uh, if you were to look through it, you would find out that everything that we know about God is found right here. Oh, we could talk about it and we, could, we, we can add side notes to it and footnotes to it, but everything that you want to know about God is right here in this book. My sheep hear my voice. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they, that would be you, follow me. You need to ask yourself the question, what kind of follower are you? Are you diligently following God's word? Scripture says that Jesus is that word. Are you following what Christ is presenting to you in his word? It says, in the beginning... Most of you have read these words before, and those words are found in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, I don't want to spend much of, of my time in Genesis, but I believe that it is important that, that we spend a little bit of time here so that we can build our, our, uh, that we can build our text, uh, our John text, with a proper interp interpretation of the Genesis text. When we read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, we must do so with a proper understanding of the person of God. Let me just say this. You know, there, there are some people that say that, that God, that Jesus is a God, but Jesus is not the God. That Jesus is uh, a mighty God, but he is not the almighty God. Well, let me explain something to you. Just just out of the Greek text. There is, if you have a subject, the subject in the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is the subject of that? The subject is the word Word, W-O-R-D, Word, the Word of God. In the Greek, it's Logos, Hey Logos, the Word, Hey Logos, the Word. The word Logos is the subject of the sentence. The predicate of that sentence is the word God. The predicate defines the subject. It gives meaning to, it explains the subject. God, God does not need to have a word, the word the, an article, the before it. It makes no sense to say in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was the God. We don't speak like that. That some people say you need to do that. It is just simply Jesus is God. Not Jesus is the God. Jesus is God. God the predicate explains more fully for us the subject. And that is Jesus or the Word. If we begin wrong... If we begin wrong in Genesis 1 as to the person of God, then I will promise you that you will be far removed from the person of God when you get to the New Testament. If you start wrong, you end wrong. If you don't have a proper view of who God is in Genesis, how is that view going to be helped when you get to the New Testament? If you're wrong back here, you're going to be way off up here. If you're a carpenter, if you're off just a a sixteenth of an inch at this end, by the time you get to the other end, how far are you off you're going to be? You know, it's kind of like my golf game. If I'm off just a little bit, like this, that ball doesn't go straight. No, I find it in the woods and I find it in the water. But I don't find it in the fairway. And the same thing is true theologically. If you are not straight starting off, you're going to find yourself in deep troubles. You've got to start right. In the beginning is to be interpreted this way. That prior to anything that was ever created, prior to the creation of time or space, or matter. Time to, prior to the creation of time and space and matter. If you can envision this in your mind. No space. No final frontier. Space. No matter. No time. Before there was anything. That all that there existed. Was God. No angels, no heavenly hosts, no seraphs, no cherubs, no nothing. Just God. Only one thing is eternal. So when you read in Genesis 1 and you read in John 1, in the beginning, he simply says, there's just God. Now, if we just have God, when God created this world, he did so Just God, nothing else. No time, space, or matter. Just God, when he created this world, he did so that in 
that this world would be both the place where he would one day most fully reveal himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and also where he would most fully demonstrate his love for us by the same person, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8. If you're a Roman road person and you love to witness using the Roman road, you ought to know this verse, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's letting us know over here that, that this same Jesus who created this world, God's agent in creation, Jesus, is the same Jesus that came and died for our sins, that this Christ, that this Christ, the human divine God, came to this world, not only created it, but he saved it, or saved those who put their trust in him. He expresses his love in creation and expresses his love for us in his salvation. Creation is God's initial revelation to humanity. And Jesus Christ is God's final and fullest revelation of himself. Jesus says in John 14, 9, He who has seen me, listen, he who has seen me has seen what? Has seen the Father. Folks, if you're looking at me, Jesus says, you're looking at the Father. We're just one. We are one. We're not three. We are one. One God. When you look at God, you just look at God. Now we could spend an entire sermon just on the words in the beginning. As I stated earlier, before time, space, or matter, we have God. But there is something else for us to consider besides that. You should have noticed that as you've read through the Gospels, that in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we find the genealogies of Jesus. We find the genealogy, one pointing to his, his earthly kingly side, and the other one to the fact that he is the creator. Goes all the way back to Adam. We got these two different genealogies. However, however, as we look at John's gospel, ain't no genealogy there. John's not interested in proving the humanity of Jesus. His interest is in proving the deity of Jesus. You've got three gospels. They're called the synoptics. That means these three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have but one view. It's like a tunnel. And you read Matthew, you read Mark, you read Luke, they kind of read the same, don't they? One's a little longer. Luke takes forever to read, but it's there. And this is called the synoptic. The word synoptic means one view, one vision, one eye. But John's gospel is completely different. The interest there is not in the human side of Jesus at all. It's about his deity. He wants us to know that Jesus Christ is God. He is out to prove the deity of Christ. Listen to what John writes as he, as he nears the end of his gospel. He says, but these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is that Jesus is the Messiah. The word Christ means Messiah. The Son of God, he says. And that believing you may have life in his 
name. That is, that Jesus is the Logos, the Word of God. You have life in knowing, in knowing, not knowing up here, but knowing by faith in here that Jesus Christ is God. So then listen to this. In order for John to go about to prove that Jesus is God, John records for us seven signs, seven miracles, miraculous events that, that take place in, in the life of Jesus as he, as he walked this earth. They are, number one, I'm going to listen for you, seven of them. Number one, this is to prove that Jesus is God, okay? Because, folks, I don't care who the person is. I have never met a person that can do these seven things. And when you find that person, I'd like to meet him because I think there would be Jesus come back again. Number one, water turned into wine. John 2, 1 through 11. You remember that miracle? Number two, the healing of the nobleman's son. John 5, 1 through 18. Three, the healing at the, the pool of Bethesda. John 5, 1 through 18. Number four, the feeding of the 5,000. John 6, 1 through 15. Number five, Jesus walking on water. John 6, 16 through 21. Number six, healing of the man born blind. John 9, 1 through 41. And number seven, the seventh sign to prove that Jesus is God is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. John 11, 1 through 46. Well, let's say that you're not satisfied with these seven things. Just by the way, if you need something else, if you would like to add another convincing proof of the deity of Jesus, I believe that I have one more that ought to settle your hearts. And that is, there's this thing about the resurrection. Folks, I know there have been people who have been resuscitated from death, but you know what? You may have been resuscitated from death, but I'll guarantee you, if Jesus stays his coming, you're going to die again. A resurrection means no more death. But we're not going to add this eighth one, because we're looking at just while he was here, just while he was here on earth before his his crucifixion. Those seven signs, John lists those seven signs, and if you want, you can add that eighth because the whole 20th and 21st chapter of John are all about the resurrected Jesus. So who else could do this unless that person be God? The theme of John 1, 1 through 5 centers around the fact that Jesus, again, Jesus is God. Keep that in your mind. Jesus is God. And the entire theme of the, first of, uh, of the rest of the gospel of John is to lead those who read this gospel to come to a saving knowledge, a saving faith in Christ. Jesus is God. He is Messiah. He is a central part of our worship. The church, the church is, is, is founded and built upon this truth. To ignore, to ignore who Jesus is denies them the very nature and need of the church. In essence, if Jesus is not God, the church then is a false institution. It becomes a joke. 
it becomes nothing more than, than a, uh, uh, a, a religious crutch that supports human vanity and wishful thinking. If there is no Jesus being God, this church should not even exist. We should shut its doors, turn it into a skating rink, fill it with water and make it a giant pool, do something else, but we're wasting our time if Jesus is not God. Now we come to verse 2. He was in beginning with God. You can almost sense that John is doing all he can in attempting to convince the readers of, the, of this gospel that Jesus is God. Listen, if you miss this fact, the fact of the person and nature of Jesus Christ, then you have missed the entire relevance of this gospel. You miss it. So we understand that Jesus is God. I'm sure that everybody in this room probably understands that Jesus is God. But now we come to a place where God reveals himself to humanity. How does God do that? How does he go about in doing that? Does he stand above all of his creation? Does God stand upon the, the zenith of the earth? The apex of the compass point. And does he yell out, Jesus is God? Does he do that? Or maybe God should create some huge mar marble figurine of himself with this, with this notice on the foot of it, Jesus is God. Well, he's not going to do that either. He's not going to create an image of himself. How does God go about revealing himself as Jesus being God? The Logos, the Word, is seen as God because he is in relation to God in nature, in essence, power, sovereignty. Do you all know where your roots are from? What, as Baptists, what, what are our roots? You know, we say, well, we, we affirm or we, we, we understand and we believe and we accept, we receive, whatever terminology you want to use. The Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And I understand there's even a group of you in studying that. That's wonderful to study that. But do you know that that Baptist 2000 has got parents? If you were to look back in history and go all the way back, now I don't think anybody's that old over here, but go back to 1644. There's this thing called the London Confession of Faith. That's your mama. And if you don't like that one, you can go to the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. You see, that, those folks, those folks from the old country, the folks put that together, 1644 and 1689. And then we as Baptists, in 1925, I believe, came, came up and we, we said, we got to have our own. So we came up and we took that and we made something called the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. 
You see, 1644 and, and 1689 and 1925, and then in 1963, we modernized it some more so we can read it and understand it. And, we, and now we call it the, the Baptist Confession of Faith, the Baptist Faith and Message. 1963. And after 1963, there was a 1998. The 1998, most people don't even know we had a 1998, but there was a 1998, and it lasted for two years because in a 2000 Baptist faith, the message occurred. But our parents go all the way back to the 1600s. And if you were to read those old, those old Baptist faith and message confessions, you would find out that Jesus Christ, same nature, substance, essence, sovereignty, etc., hasn't changed. Oh, they, they modernize it a little bit so that we can understand it. We don't speak the king's English anymore. Most of us don't. I have trouble doing this English whatever that's called, Pennsylvania ease or something. But that's where we come from. We have roots, folks. We have roots in the Bible. We understand that Jesus Christ is God because we've been taught that because the Bible teaches us that. That word of God the Word of God teaches us that Jesus Christ is God. To deny that, to deny that, rips the heart out of Christianity. There is no Christianity without that. That's who we are. And that's who we need to continue to be. We come to verse 3. All things came to being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So in verse 3, we need to go back again. We're heading back to Genesis. You know, why do we keep on doing that? If you start right, you end right. So let's go back to Genesis. You may want to mark, you may want to mark these references down because they are vital in our understanding John 1.3. John 1.3 talks about that Jesus, that Jesus was the agent of creation and all things. But let me show you. You might want to mark these down because these are worth having. Let me read this for you. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, we read, Then God said. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 6, we read, Then God said. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 9, we read, Then God said. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 14, we read, Then God said. In Genesis chapter 20, we read, then God said. In Genesis chapter 24, we read, then God said. In Genesis 1:26, we read, then God said. Six times it says, then God said. And what was God saying? He was saying that this earth and all that's around it needs to be created. Six days of creation. I believe six literal days. God spoke it and it existed in six days. And who is the agent of creation? 
The same Jesus that John is talking about. Every time it says, listen, listen, the things that are, the things that are, the things that exist, they are there because God speaks. He speaks and it is done. These words are the working of the living Logos, the Word, the living Word of God. Jesus Christ, God's words, His speaking is, listen, His speaking is the revelation of His thoughts. And the creation is the realization of His thoughts. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is God. And along the same line of creation, we move along from John 1.3 to uh, John 1.4. says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in this verse, the idea of Jesus being the agent of creation is, is further developed. The pre-existent, pre-incarnate Christ, the divine human Christ, the Son of God is creator, sustainer, and almighty God. The one who, has pre, who has, was preordained to be our redeemer. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. In these last days has spoken to us in his son. That is, God has spoken in these last days. And folks, I believe we're living in them. The more I watch the news, <laughs> we're getting closer and closer. And we're, we're, we're 168 hours closer than what we were last week. In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed, whom he, who God appointed heir of all things, And then listen to this. I've underlined every word. Through whom also he made the world. Listen. Through whom also he made the world. You are not the progeny of some amoeba. God made you in his image. You did not come from green scum. Not only is Jesus the agent of creation of all things, but in Colossians, in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, listen to what Paul writes to the church of Colossae. He says, for by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created Again, Jesus created both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. (coughs) All things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Would you realize what if God were to remove his hand from us, from this world, from creation? From the universe, if God were to remove his hand, if he were to hold back his favor, there would be a whole bunch of molecules just floating all over the place. We would be exploding everywhere. Jesus is the glue that holds this creation together. You know, sometimes we think we're so big. You know, we say, man, we've invented this, or we've created this, or done this. Or... You, know, you know what God's got to do to end this? It's over. It's over. 
We're not so big that God can't handle us. None of us are. I want to go on to verse 5. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There is an existing truth that's most unfortunate that we have in this world today. The existing truth is this, that darkness will continue to be in this world as long as evil lies within the hearts of the world's peoples. But, but in Christ, the light of truth shines in earth's darkest places. That is, it shines in the hearts of those lost and without hope. It shined and has shone in your heart and has brought you the Holy Spirit of God has regenerated you, enabled you to see the truth of God's word, the light and the life that is in Jesus Christ. He's allowed you to see that and to experience that, and you've received that favor from God. He's made you alive. It is Jesus Christ who resurrects us from death and transfers us to his glorious kingdom. My friends, listen as I close. We are saved because the Christ who created us is the one who has died for us. The cross of Christ draws us to itself. Upon that cross, bruised, beaten, and bloodied, is the God of glory. And upon that cross, the creator is robed in shame. Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who at one time sat upon a throne that overshadowed all of creation, is now nailed to a wooden cross. And on that cross, receiving our sin and His Father's wrath. This very fact that Jesus has died for us causes the same cross, that same cross that He died upon, to become our banner of salvation. My friends, We are saved because Jesus died for us. Jesus, the God of glory, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that uh, you would pour a blessing upon this people today, Lord. If there be even one here, Lord, that you have regenerated this hour, this moment, this time, Lord, I pray that you would cause that person to to make that step forward today in this place to share with us, Lord, the fact that today that he or she has come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for its good people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that they have so wonderfully indulged me over these past three months or so, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray that, that, that you'll put an anointing upon them. Now, Lord, do as you purpose to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.